Hello, I'm Ray Reich, founder and CEO of RevOps Squared, and your host of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. We talk to a wide variety of B2B, SaaS, and cloud thought leaders, executives, investors, and people just like you to discuss the metrics and benchmarks they use to make metrics-informed decisions. Now on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Today, we are joined by David Campbell, the founder and CEO of Tropic. We'll be covering three main topic areas with Dave today. First, his definition of envisioned for spend management, including SaaS spend management. Second, the top ideas for implementing a spend management program in 2023 for a CFO's perspective. And third, the top idea for controlling SaaS spend in fast-growing B2B tech companies. David, please take a moment to give a brief overview of your journey to becoming a guest on the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for the intro, Ray. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today. So my path was a little circuitous into leading a software business. I actually started out trying to make it as a novelist and uh, California native after graduating from Berkeley, moved up to a cabin in the woods in Northern California and wrote a 400 page book after living with no phone or internet for about a year. The book was a dud, but that was definitely when I knew that entrepreneurship was for me. And today, fast forwarding to my time at Tropic, I do get to scratch the creative itch on a daily basis while scaling the business. And so I came to the East Coast, advisors in my life said, if you want to lead a business, you should pursue either a sales or a product track and you should get into tech. It's the only industry that matters, which in some ways I agree with, in some ways not. Joined a MarTech company called BounceX as their first sales hire, scaled with that organization, was promoted up to VP, grew the business from around zero to $80 million in ARR, at which point I left and got exposure to a lot of different ways of buying software. The one common denominator being it was very difficult and poorly executed, in my opinion, at that point in time. After that, I went to Microsoft as a global business manager. I had purview into a $500 million territory and uh, a big team managing that territory, banks and capital markets. And what I realized from my experience at the enterprise level is that the biggest companies on the planet struggle with buying and managing software as well. So I started thinking to myself, here's a commodity that has redefined everything in business, by which I mean cloud software, that every company is starting to adopt and embrace. And yet the systems for buying and managing it seem to be totally broken. So it seemed like the market was big enough and the problem interesting enough. And I, I quit Microsoft after tour of duty there to start Tropic. And today at Tropic, we are building purchasing paradise. And our vision is for a frictionless and streamlined purchasing and management experience for all your technology, which we believe again, to be the only commodity that matters on a long enough time horizon. So that's my journey into Tropic. Well, Dave, it's the first time I've heard procurement and paradise in the same phrase. And as a longtime SaaS sales organization leader, I really haven't seen those two combined, but we're going to double click on that in a few minutes. But let's start with a, a foundational question. Mm -hmm. How do you define SaaS spend management? What is it really? Well, I think that First, I would say that SaaS spend management 
is spend management on a long enough time horizon. Our bet at Tropic is that every business on the planet becomes a software business eventually. And what I mean by that is you may not necessarily be selling a software product, but look at COVID. We're now all in distributed teams. Those teams rely on software to operate. Many products are digitizing and becoming virtual and digital products. And you know, not to get too trippy with it, but it's not a far cry to imagine a world in which we are spending a fair amount of time in virtual reality, buying and transacting virtual products. So, you know, I believe on a long enough time horizon, every business is a software business. Therefore, SaaS spend management is really just what spend management is today. So how do I think about that? I think when you hear spend management, you know, ordinarily your head goes straight to a software platform. And I don't believe that that's what it is. I believe that it's actually a paradigm. A software platform can do certain things for you. It can give you visibility and it can give you workflows, but managing anything requires somebody to take agency in the process and make things happen. And what I think it means today, since our podcast episode is airing in 2023, is actually something very existential. I think that spend management is the new sales. The things that businesses like mine and all the B2B you know, SaaS startups that are out there, the things that we used to get graded on by the investor ecosystem, by the public market, by you know fundraising events, by whatever our exit is, have changed fundamentally. And the number one most important thing used to be sales. And I don't believe that that's the case anymore. I think that the number one most important thing now is efficiency. And one key driver of efficiency is spend management. So to me, this is the new sales. This is the mission critical lever that you pull if you want to exit your business. And you know, the headlines are littered with companies who have done this poorly going through massive layoffs. So I think that spend management has never been more timely. Okay. Hot take from Dave Campbell, the founder and CEO of Tropic. Procurement and efficiency is the new sales. I'm going to have to record that one, David, but let's kind of double click on that because I came and grew up at GE, where at mm-hmm. GE, we were all about the numbers. Even as a revenue and PL leader, I was held to revenue growth and contribution margin, ultimately operating margin. So my gut feel is over time, we're going to see the equal balancing of both. We need to continue revenue growth, but we need to do it much more efficiently. So do you think maybe it's going to be the balance of the two that's going to be the paradigm shift? I do 100%. I'm I'm a fan of big, bold statements, as you may have noticed. But obviously, we have a top-line number that we pursue aggressively at Tropic, despite the goal to, you know, to drive efficiency being part of the equation. I just think that efficiency is very much having a moment right now. And I think we will see the scales level out a bit soon enough, whenever that may be, six months, four years. If I knew the answer to that question, I'd probably be getting paid a lot more money. But I do think that efficiency has become of critical import. And I think that software, that cloud, these digital things that we spend money on are really directly at the center of driving that efficiency. Because if you're a software business and you're building software, you're doing it with other software, right? And if you're not using other software, you're coding on the cloud, right? So if you can reduce the expenses that you have associated with those two commodities, with software and with cloud, you can meaningfully impact your efficiency. You can increase your gross margin by reducing your cost of goods sold. You can price more competitively to beat others in your industry. And you basically have the freedom and flexibility to drive your business towards those specific outcomes that are getting awarded in today's market. So I think that 
you know, definitely you need a sales team out there selling. If you're not growing, you're not going to get credit for efficiency necessarily. But if you don't have efficiency, you're certainly not going to get credit for growth. So I think spend management is the most powerful lever that you can pull to drive that efficiency. Well, your revenue and customer account growth last year shows that efficiency is the new revenue because didn't you grow over 3x year over year? We, we did. Yeah. Thank you. You know, and we worked extremely hard to make that happen. As, as you can imagine, um, most folks are not necessarily in the same aggressive buying cycles uh, that they used to be in, but we did see uh, an outsized increase in demand for Tropic specifically as an efficiency lever. You know, I think that we were almost a little too early into market with our offering. Uh, COVID, there was a bit of efficiency focus at that point in time. No one could have predicted what was going to happen with the market next. It exploded 2021, the craziest year of venture capital investment that we've probably ever seen. And those companies, you know, we we did still perform well in that market, but it was largely because folks just didn't want to worry about management themselves. They wanted to find a way to kind of put that problem on somebody else. And we were, you know, a nice enough somebody else to take it on. But I think the the transition that we've seen is that in 2023, that problem has truly become existential. Rather than being a nice to have, I don't necessarily have time to build out a big finance function. Maybe we can get some efficiency through automation with Tropic. It's no, we need to control every single dollar leaving the business. And that discussion is now a board level discussion that CFOs are having on a quarterly basis in place of a you know an OKR that someone needs to check. So I think the gravity has become more intense and uh, we have certainly experienced a tailwind as a consequence. You know, I was reading some research yesterday since all I do is look at benchmarks and data, right? And I think one report I saw said that for B2B tech companies, one out of $8 of expenses is spent on other technology, SaaS spend mm-hmm. primarily. And then I look at the growth rate of kind of B2B SaaS cloud industry as a whole, and it's still projected, and this is a Gartner projection, to grow 18% in 2023, even though, quote unquote, we're battening down the expense hatches. Mm-hmm. So here's one of my questions. One way to reduce costs is to go in, analyze everything that you have as far as SaaS spend, and try to rationalize some of that. Then part of it is getting smarter about when you're going to renew, right? Maybe you negotiate better, or maybe we get smarter about how we buy. So which of those three pillars, David, are kind of your core competency, or do you do all three? Yeah, I think that I would think about it in stages. So, you know, can we help you save money right now by scrutinizing every line item that you have and figuring out how to, you know, squeeze those and and rationalize and do those things? We certainly can. But if that's the only thing that you want to do, we would actually say that you might not be a fit for us because we think that that's akin to weeding, right? It's like going out to the garden and pulling all the weeds out. The real strategic imperative here is sustained cost control that can only be created by rolling out processes that actually control cost, right? And if you don't do that, if you're not ready to invest in purchasing infrastructure the way that you have historically invested in sales infrastructure, all those weeds are going to grow back again, and you're going to have the same exact problem next year, right? So that's kind of like the salt the earth approach. And what that means is, you know, to your point, it means creating a process that's easy enough for people at a high growth SaaS company to adopt. And no one is necessarily thrilled when it's like good news. Now we have a procurement process when we didn't used to have one. But if you make it adoptable, if you make it very, very easy 
for people to follow the process, they will. And if they follow the process, then you as a finance leader have exposure to every deal because instead of getting signed directly with the supplier, you know, five days after a sales cycle, they're going to hit your desk. And that's really the way to, you know, buy better, to use your words, over a more uh, longer term sustained period of time. And generally speaking, what it looks like if you don't have that is it looks like a wiki entry, you know, in your notion and your guru, whatever it is that you point everybody to and they want to buy something and it's in the employee handbook and it says, here's a hundred rules that you need to follow as a marketing stakeholder, as a sales stakeholder that wants to buy a tool. If it's over a hundred thousand dollars, you go to Bob. If it's under a hundred thousand dollars, you go to Fred. If it's hardware, you go to the operations team. If it's software, you go to the IT team. By the way, if you go to the IT team, you have to fill out this form and then you need a lawyer to look at it. And then you need InfoSec to sign off and you get it, so on and so forth. And it becomes such a cumbersome and complex process that folks in the lines of business just won't follow it. And that's where you lose adoption. And all the data in the world, all of the benchmarks that you can possibly imagine are not going to prevent those people from going out and buying things the way that they like to buy them. That requires implementing process and buying better. And that to me really is the sustained value proposition in this category and and the way to think about it strategically versus how do I get 25% off every vendor this year? That's really a short-term strategy, I think. Implementing process. You're talking my language. So let's reel us back a little bit. About 30% of our listening audience are SaaS companies and the kind of one to $10 million area. And it's CFO, CEOs. And then about 24% are in that 10 million to 25 million. And then it keeps going down. It reflects the profile of the SaaS industry companies, right? When, Dave, when do you think a SaaS CEO or CFO should consider implementing their own spend management program? I think anecdotally, I think you should get serious about it when you're around 100 employees. And the reason for that is, you know, some might say that's very early. I would say, look at what's happening in the industry. And what you'll see is that B2B SaaS companies, the best and most sophisticated ones are hiring procurement people earlier and earlier and earlier. You know, Notion is a customer of ours and brought on a phenomenal procurement manager when they were around 200 employees. That's something that we never would have seen in 2019. Procurement is the kind of thing that most companies, I think, would say, well, we get serious about that when we're around a, a thousand employees, when we're pre-IPO. The challenge is that implementing that late means that you're running up against significant cultural headwinds, right? Once an organization is accustomed to speed and immediacy and accustomed to buying the tools that they need to fuel the growth that they need to drive, telling them to do anything different is going to be met with a lot of challenges from an adoption and change management standpoint. I really think that it's like sales. You know, at a certain point, you can't do the spreadsheet anymore and you need to buy Salesforce. I think we did that when we were 25 employees. I think the point at which you need to buy a spend management platform is probably around 100 because the, the concrete is still wet. You haven't yet gotten into those entrenched cultural norms that say, we don't do stuff like that. Because once those are in place, you run into challenges like, wow, we have this amazing procurement team, but nobody tells them about anything until the day before it's due. But they don't know about purchases that are happening. They're not seeing credit card transactions. So in my perspective, the earlier, the better. If you're under 100 employees, probably a little too early. It's good to know what your tools are and know what you're paying for them, but maybe not necessarily time yet to implement a robust process. I think it will likely be rejected if you're too small um, and probably not needed just yet. So that's kind of how I think about it. So a lot of the B2B SaaS companies I work with, kind of that 
50 towards 100 employees when they first think about having a, quote, strategic CFO. They -hmm. think about having a head of HR, right, a true head of HR. Mm -hmm. So is this a first step towards having a more formalized procurement organization where you use an outsourced spend management provider? So that's the first question. And second is, do you start with a more comprehensive spend management process and structure, or do you start with a single element or something like a SaaS spend management process first? Yeah. So I think it depends on the industry that you're in. If we're talking about SaaS, and it sounds like many of our listeners today are coming from that industry, if you can take care of your software problem, you might be taking care of a significant percentage of your overall pain point, right? And you know some of the line items of yesteryear that used to really hurt us, like real estate, are fundamentally changing. We have a lot of remote first companies that might be spending nothing on real estate, right? So if software is a top three line item for you, or especially if it's a top two line item for you, and number one is people, I would say that software is the best place to start first because you know, you know if you move the needle on software, it moves the needle on your total expenses in a way that you know moving the needle on laptops might not, right? So I think it's okay to start there. I think it's okay to start without a lot of bells and whistles. Like you don't need a purchase order if you're a hundred person startup, that doesn't matter, but you should have a handle on what your actuals are against your contracts, right? And that doesn't necessarily require purchase order. So I think there are, you know, slim down ways of doing spend management in a very finance centric way that don't have all the bells and whistles that you typically would associate with a procurement team. And by the way, you know, we talked a little bit about procurement paradise. For me, a lot of that comes down to making procurement mega streamlined, mega adoptable, very modern, right? And if you look at the landscape, I think a lot of yesterday's procurement tools are not those things. But today, people getting these procurement jobs, especially at a B2B SaaS company are, you know, millennials like me, people who grew up buying everything on phones, um, they have an expectation of speed and immediacy, and it's up to procurement to deliver that. So I almost don't even want to call it procurement. I almost want to call it just purchasing because procurement, to your point, is such a four-letter word. I come from the sales side as well, and you know, it, it has a lot of negative baggage associated with it. So that's why we try to have a fun brand, the palm tree. You know, we we want to breathe life into this category, and I think that starting with something very lightweight not going from zero to procurement, and now we're buying SAP Ariba and everyone's going to hate it, is something that you know that SaaS startups can actually do now in a way that they didn't used to be able to. It's funny. When you have a little bit of gray hair like me, you hear the word purchasing, you think of 1970s expense control, and we evolved to procurement. Now we're going back to purchasing. Very interesting. A question here. You said earlier in our conversation, it's not all about the software. So we're having a spend management theme on Metrics and Measure Up throughout the month of February. So we're talking to a lot of great thought leaders like yourself, Dave. So do you look at it as providing kind of buyer services in software together, or do you have more of an automation and software-centric approach? Yeah, increasingly, we have an automation and software-centric approach, but there's a human element to what we do that will never go away. And I think that it's most famously known as outsourced negotiation. That's not actually what it is. What it actually is, is software expertise. We have customers come to us and say, hey, you guys sit at the center of all of these transactions across all of these companies and all these suppliers. And in the case of Tropic, many of our customers are also selling to other customers, right? And that gives us a unique perspective that 
enables us to aggregate data and insights that you couldn't aggregate as just kind of one internal person. So like, what are the trends in this category? CFOs have been asking me, you know, constantly in the last several months, like, we're all talking about rationalization. What are people actually doing? Are people successfully turning off Slack and getting people to use Teams or are they bouncing off when they recommend that? Are there, you know, which tools can I cut? What are my peers doing? And, uh, and you know, it's our job at Tropic to answer those questions by having access to the data. So I think that that sort of hybrid approach is here to stay. I think that the shape of what the people are doing changes a bit, but the idea that, you know, a network of folks using one shared service is significantly more valuable than a lone gunman, you know, trying to stand up a procurement function is something that I think can't be ignored, especially with software as a category, because, you know, if we if we are more uh, traditional procurement people, we can't do a lot of the analysis that we would normally do. There is no should cost for software. What is it? What should Salesforce cost, right? Um, it's a very challenging question to answer. And I think that third parties uh, help with that in the spend management process. So I think it's a marriage between platform so that you can actually organize process and get people you know, moving through a streamlined purchasing experience so that they actually will do it. Because you know, it's easier to submit a request for 20 seats of Salesforce on Tropic and go back to work than it is to go bother with the InfoSec team, the legal team, the finance team, and so forth. So I think platform is very important. Uh, I think data is very important. And, you know, there's many approaches to data in the space. Our approach is to aggregate all of these insights across the folks buying on Tropic. Then there's a human component to provide some, you know, expertise and guidance. And then the last piece of it that is probably the most important is actually on the customer, the company themselves, to take this seriously, implement a process, give the CFO empowerment to drive that process and hold folks accountable to it. And I think where we see spend management work really well or work very poorly is always kind of in the hands of the company at the end of the day. It's does the CFO have the empowerment to fix this problem and are they willing to invest resources into fixing it and holding people accountable who don't follow the process? That's really, I think, the most important thing. Um, and I think all those other pillars come together in an interesting way to make it even more efficient. Dave, let me make sure I captured this correctly. You provide platform and service to say, you can purchase through us. So go buy those 20 seats of Salesforce. If a customer has a vendor that you currently don't have on their platform, what's the vendor process to be onboarded and part of your partner ecosystem? Yeah, so the the good news is we've actually taken a very firm stance against formally partnering with the supply side because we think that that can actually impair your ability to be an objective arbiter, right? If you look at many of the platforms out there, resellers in particular, marketplaces, um, review sites, all of them, you know, if you're buying through those platforms or using those platforms, you are actually the product. They're selling you as a data point to suppliers to say, you know, I have 500 CFOs on here and, you know, if you pay us money, I'll give you access. And that's not our model. We're actually the exact opposite. So we will engage with any supplier on your behalf without having a formal agreement with them. And we have a firm policy against ever ex accepting any financial incentive from the supplier whatsoever, which enables us to have, you know, data that is totally unbiased. And that's kind of like key to our long-term vision. So if we've never worked with you before, we'll get to know you, you know, on a phone call. And, you know, what we can do, however, is provide efficiency to you by having you go through various stages of the process one time with us so that you don't have to go through those stages over and over again for everybody else who wants to buy you. So that's how we think about that. 
Oh, I love it. You're bringing efficiency to the selling process also. So I'm going to flip this discussion on its head. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a, I'm a B2B SaaS revenue leader, just like mm-hmm. you've been. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to sell into new customers to have a spend management partner in place. Do I change my sales process to incorporate you in it or do I not change it at all? Yeah, yeah. Good question. I think that it depends on who you're working with. There's a number of approaches in the category, and I can really only speak to ours. The way that we're organized, we have no financial incentive, actually differently from how procurement teams work. We don't get paid more money to save more money. Therefore, we don't have an incentive to nickel and dime on contracts where it's inappropriate to nickel and dime because it makes no difference whatsoever for us. The only incentive that we have is to deliver exactly the outcome that the CFO is looking for 100% of the time. And I think that in years past, there could be friction introduced by that because now the CFO is getting involved in a deal that was supposed to be up to the VP of sales or was supposed to be up to the director of marketing. We've actually found significantly less friction today because at basically every company, the CFO is the final decision maker anyway, right? The CFO is now in the driver's seat to drive savings and to control spend. And that's you know priority zero for most B2B SaaS companies right now. So, so the best thing is just like, Help us understand what you need and when you need the deal to get done. And you know, the more we can understand about that, the easier it is for us to put something together that's going to meet your needs, right? So one of the biggest things that we can trade in and one of the biggest value adds that we can provide to a sales team is speed. Like we know exactly who's supposed to approve next. We know exactly what the purchasing process looks like because the whole thing is happening on our system. And if you tell us, you know, we need to get this deal done by this point in time, we know that we need to do that because, you know, if whatever the incentive is for doing that gets pulled away, then we failed to do our job. So there's kind of a like self-enforcing mechanism associated with that. And I would also say that there's many cases where the supplier has no idea that we're even involved because we're an internal resource that's being pulled by the CFO to help them in their selection process and to help them navigate the purchase. So overall, our bet is that doing spend management correctly is actually the right thing for the entire ecosystem. And you know, when you think about things like price integrity and price normalization, right now, the market is driving heavy compression on price, regardless of anything that we would ever do, because that's kind of the market that we're in. Folks are getting their budgets cut, which makes it harder for them to buy, which makes it harder to sell and so forth. So I think that we're witnessing a natural leveling of how we price products and how we place value on businesses. And what we're doing is just providing a streamlined way of buying within that new reality. So, you know, long answer to a short question, but that's how we think about it philosophically. Two more questions, because our 30 minutes is already coming to an end. First question is, this is the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. So mm-hmm. you have all this insight and visibility into all this financial spend data. Are there three kind of metrics or measurements that your CFO customers say, this is what Tropic's doing for me? Is it how much you save? Is it cycle time? What are those key measurements that you're showing to the CFO for ROI? Yeah, definitely. So number one is and has to be right now cost savings. Now, cost savings are realized in a bunch of ways. And we encourage our customers not to be laser focused on as I said, can I go find all 50 suppliers and renegotiate and get a better price? Because yes, you can. But again, we think it's short-sighted. So we look at what are the cost savings driven by strategic rationalizations that we're driving? What are the future cost avoidance that we're, we're getting in place, right? A lot, of, a lot of companies will 
you know, buy a product like NetSuite without knowing that NetSuite is going to increase the price, you know, five to 15% every year until the end of time, right? So thinking strategically about, you know, we don't want to rake every supplier over the coals to try and get the lowest possible price on every contract. We want to think strategically about our long-term, you know, savings and cost control opportunity. And that's realized as cost savings and avoidance that lump together into ROI. Um, time savings is number two. You know, can we cut a lot of the cycle time out of our process to give me, the finance leader, more leverage on these contracts as they come up so that I'm not getting thrown in last minute because we're at the end of this long process that I wasn't even aware of. And you know, those are the two big ones. Increasingly, though, what we are now starting to see as an interesting trend in this category is we're seeing that you know, cost per FTE and SaaS cost are starting to merge. And you know, if you look at you know, a SaaS business, those are usually the, the top two line items that they'll have. And we obviously saw a huge number of layoffs and we're seeing a lot of people trying to cut software costs. So when, when CFOs are thinking about their, their modeling, when they're thinking about the cost that they're going to incur, they're increasingly thinking about the cost per FTE plus the SaaS cost per FTE, right? And influencing that number is influencing efficiency as well. And looking at it that way, I think is an intelligent way of looking at it because you know, a sales FTE might have an additional thousand dollars in software cost per head that you're not accounting for in that model because they need outreach and, and and Salesforce and everything else. So those types of metrics, I think, are also driving more holistic efficiency. And we're analyzing data on that level to help our CFOs accomplish their goals. Okay. Last question. A lot of tailwinds to your business in 2023. Everybody's focused on how do I reduce cost. But we're going to come back in the next 18, 24 months where growth is going to take an even more important position again. So mm-hmm. get your crystal ball out. Yeah. What's your yeah. top three predictions for how the spend management category is going to evolve over the next three years? Yeah, so I, I do believe that efficiency is here to stay. I do believe that we're going to see things balance out and that there's going to be an increased focus on saving earlier in a company life cycle, right? Because- you know, you could raise it like a hundred X multiple with a gross margin of 20% in 2021. And I think that those days are probably behind us. If you go back and read some of the things that Bill Gurley was writing and talking about in 2020 or 2012, I'm a huge fan. You know, he was talking about efficiency and growth and the balance between the two back then. So I don't think that we're going to see a runaway train like we did in 2021 for quite some time. I think we're going to be balancing top line and efficiency trade-offs and figuring out what the best move is for the business based on those things. So I think that we will see that. I think that we will see procurement hires getting made earlier and looking for tools and data to empower them. I think that ultimately buying well is going to come down to an ROI calculation, not a pure cost calculation, right? Is it worth investing more in a Cadillac that's going to drive the top line? Maybe it is. If we save too much money, we might wind up with a car that we don't want to drive, And I think that what folks are going to start to look for in spend management is a different type of data, like what tools should I be buying, you know, if we need to accomplish these growth goals and having line of sight into the tools that other folks in the network use can help empower those decisions for you. I love that much more. I think of that as a strategic focus, right? Helping people be smarter with what they bring in, integrate and use versus just reducing costs. Well, unfortunately, this is... um, the last couple minutes of the podcast, I'm going to give our listening audience a chance to get to know Dave Campbell on a personal basis, a little bit more with three quick questions. First, is there a CEO or a company that you think is a must follow today? 
a CEO or a company that someone should follow today? Man, that's a great question. I'm going to give a stock answer that is probably not particularly interesting, but I very heavily drink the Kool-Aid for Satya Nadella and what he's done with Microsoft. I think that their M&A strategy is truly inspired and genius. And the things that they're now doing with the strategic investment in chat GPT is just like so mind-blowing that a company of that size and stage can recognize real innovation, like at the epicenter of where it happens. So like that to me, you know, he's, he's a visionary um, and always has been. And I think also just from kind of a moral standpoint and, uh, and an ego standpoint, a really fantastic model of what leadership looks like. Isn't it amazing? In 2023, we're highlighting the CEO of Microsoft as a must-follow where 10 years ago, people were predicting Microsoft's demise. I yep. totally agree, Dave. Second, what tool, not your own, should every SaaS company be using to help them with their journey? Ooh, great question. So we care tremendously about culture, people management, and develop at Tropic. Like I'm definitely of the school that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And we recently, as of maybe eight months ago, got really invested in how we use Lattice. And I can honestly say that there's been a massive impact on how we run the people side of our business from that. A good kind of case in point is, you know, we pride ourselves on being as transparent as we possibly can. We did a big engagement survey of our workforce and we use Lattice to run it. And we pulled out the insights and we shared it with not only everybody at the company, but with everybody on LinkedIn as well. And we pointed out, you know, here's a weak spot that we have on the work-life balance front. You know, we're an insane startup. And I tell every candidate that this is an intense environment, but putting it out there and leveraging Lattice that way ingrained some accountability into us. And we implemented a large number of programs, maybe half of them worked, half of them didn't. We threw a bunch of stuff against the wall, ran the same survey six months later, and we'd increased by like 12 points or something like that in that metric. So I run my one-on-ones there. We run our engagement surveys there. We manage our OKRs there. And uh, I've gotten a tremendous amount of value from Lattice. By the way, and I think doing those things correctly is the only reason that we had a 3X year last year. You know, it wasn't anything I did. It was you know, an engaged workforce that really cares about what they're doing. So shout out to Lattice. And by the way, I'd, I'd encourage everyone, they made a post, I think it's in the last seven days about some of those results and your employee satisfaction. It was amazing how many 95% plus positive feedback you got. So congrats to yeah. you. Thank you. I, I obsess over the negatives only, obviously, but plenty of good stuff in there. Okay. Last question. A lot of people want to be the next Dave Campbell. They want to found their company. They want to be an entrepreneur, you know. In my days, you know, you wanted to go work for Goldman Sachs or GE. Now you want to be an entrepreneur. What advice do you give that recent college graduate, early career person right now who wants to be a B2B company founder in the future? Yeah, so don't worry about qualifications. They don't matter. You know, don't worry about experience. That ultimately, I think, you know, doesn't matter much as long as you have the basic building blocks that an investor is going to see. And I would also say, don't even worry about strategy. I'm a huge student of Amp It Up as a new Bible of mine by Frank Slootman. And one of the things that he emphasizes is execution over strategy. We went through five strategies at Tropic probably before we found product market fit. All that matters is to go out there, be convicted, talk to lots of people, ask for help, and just don't stop no matter what. Don't give up absolutely no matter what. That's literally the only thing that matters. You don't even have to be very smart. You know, look at me. All you have to do is keep going. And that's probably, I would say, don't wait, just try it. You know, worst thing that happens, you fail, you go get a job, and then you come back and try again later. Um, best thing that happens, you never need to get that job, right? So 
I think it's worth taking the leap now more than ever. Business seems to be open for seed and Series A investing. It's, you know, growth stage is heavily impacted, but early stage isn't. If you're compelling, charismatic, and it's your problem to solve, the product doesn't matter. Everything else doesn't matter. Um, you can raise capital and figure things out. So that's that's what I would say to do. And this ties into something I posted on LinkedIn today, which is probably a good place to drop it, which is we place tremendous value on cockroaches at Tropic, which is not a phrase that I made up, but I'm stealing it from whoever at my company did. And a cockroach just can't be killed no matter what. They pivot when they need to pivot. They survive. They go through you know, headwind after headwind. They're the, the only thing that survives nuclear holocaust. And if you're just a cockroach and you don't give up and you, you roll with the punches and you pivot, you're going to get it. That's all there is to it, I think. By the way, for those of you who don't really understand the anatomy of a cockroach, you can go to Dave's post from January 31st and see some of the components of a cockroach, things like high ambitions and emotional intelligence and a chip on the shoulder. So I love that analogy, Dave. So thank you so much, Dave Campbell, founder, CEO of Tropic, for being a guest on the Metrics of Major podcast. Yeah, real pleasure, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a great time. And to our listening audience, if you're enjoying the conversations we have with amazing guests and the content that we have with people like Dave Campbell or Jeffrey Moore and Nick Mehta, it would mean the world to us to go ahead and give us that thumbs up and give us a five-star recommendation on your favorite podcast app. If you haven't subscribed to the Metrics Major Up podcast, please do that. And once again, thank you, everyone. And remember, execution each strategy for lunch. Have a good day, Dave. See you later, Ray. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics to Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.